the Koi Gig Pod. I wouldn't even look at them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even prepare mm. to play against them because you do not what you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> we could beat them six nil, or we could lose six nil. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. And uh, we should uh, turn our attention to the Formula 1 because it was back at the weekend as well. Bahrain Grand Prix, the season opener and uh, delighted to say the Formula 1 broadcaster and journalist Chris Medland, who was over in Bahrain joins us on the line now. Morning Chris, how are things? Morning, not too bad. I'll admit that uh, that United-Liverpool game uh, meant that it overshadowed a lot went on in Bahrain, which I don't think many people were complaining about given uh, the dominance of Max Verstappen on Sunday. Yeah, well listen Chris, if you listen to George Russell's comments, apparently the season's over. Max Verstappen has the, has the title won already. It was a bit of a procession, wasn't it? At the front, it was. Uh, it, it's not over, for starters, and it's definitely not going to be a, a Red Bull season that they win every single race. So I, I'm happy to say that right now, even though, you know, if it comes back to bite me in December, then so be it. But uh, yeah, George Russell said they should win every race with the performance they've got. Over a season, I mean, we've seen it when even Mercedes have dominated. You get incidents, you get crazy races, um, you get some some real curveballs that just, you know, if a team can't handle it, someone else gets a win. Uh, what was great is behind Red Bull, uh, there's a proper battle between three teams in Mercedes and Ferrari, which are names everyone will expect. And now Aston Martin, which is the big shock uh, with Fernando Alonso in there. So that was brilliant to see. And uh, that's breathed a bit of new life into the rest of the racing, even if uh, Red Bull had it a bit easy on Sunday. It, it's mad because that was probably the drive of the day, Fernando Alonso and the Aston Martin, as you say. I think it's his 99th podium for, for five different teams. Like he hasn't won a race since 2013 and everyone's thinking when he, when he, when he uh, moves teams at the end of last year, well, this... this this could go badly, but in Aston Martin, he seems to have found a perfect fit, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a bit of a running joke, um, and with no offence meant to Alonso, but that he's made bad career choices in the past. And sometimes uh, it's been a bit unfair on him because it's looked a bit too long-term and, and beyond the point he would have been with a team. But he left Ferrari uh, when things were going bad to go to McLaren um, back in the V6 era when Mercedes were dominating because thought McLaren with Honda were the only way anyone would beat Mercedes. Uh, that that went terribly and Ferrari got to winning ways. They didn't win a championship, but they got back to winning ways. Uh, but he'd, he'd long since left then. Obviously left F1, came back with Alpine, has been in the midfield. I think the one thing was Aston was the gamble that was worth taking with the money they have, the resources they have, the amount of uh, investment they're putting into their team personnel, uh, that someday it would click. If anyone was going to make it to the front, it would be Aston. But no one expected it to be this season. Uh, and the performance shown was very, very impressive. There are going to be circuits that really suit that car even more than Bahrain did. They look quick in pre-season, quick throughout the weekend. You know, I think we could see Alonso getting a pole position or two in the right circumstances. Definitely a win or two in the right circumstances because he's someone who comes alive when there's a chance of it. Uh, he's on 32 wins at the moment and after number 33. And in the past, Alonso would always play it down because he liked to kind of exceed expectations and make it seem like he'd done something miraculous. Uh, so he would have been saying, oh, no, there's no chance I, I would win a race this year. Red Bull are too far clear. But even Alonso himself on Sunday said, yeah, if, if we're starting as the second quickest team, there's probably going to be a race or two that comes our way. So I reckon I'll win one, which is refreshing to hear from him. There's He's just mellowed uh, in his 40s because we've got to remember that as well. He's, he's 41 now. Um, but yeah, a, a great story that he's got a competitive car at this stage of his career. And he had the, the couple of scraps on track as well, overtaking battles with, with the two Mercedes cars, which was great to see and, and adds a bit of excitement to the whole thing as well. On Mercedes, Hamilton fifth, Russell seventh. Uh, look, they're, what, 50 seconds behind Max Verstappen at the front. Are you concerned? Are you encouraged if, you, if you're a Mercedes fan? Or how, how are you feeling after the weekend and with Jeddah to come in two weeks? 
I'm actually massively concerned if I'm a Mercedes fan. I, I interviewed Toto Wolff on the grid before the race, um, and he said that we've got it wrong. We need to change our car concept. Um, we need to completely rethink everything we're doing. And that was before we'd even seen the first race play out. That was that they knew from their data, from the peak performance they had available, even if they weren't always getting it out of the car, that it just wasn't ever going to be good enough to get to Red Bull levels. And to know that very quickly, you know, they, they'd gambled on this concept where they had unique side pods that are very, very slim compared to everyone else, uh, insisted over the winter they were sticking with that because they saw that it could work, but also that it wasn't the big differentiator between them and other teams. And now instantly they've admitted, oh, actually, no, it won't work, uh, which is surprising to that early for them to say that. But um, I guess the encouragement you take from it is, OK, they must have had a plan in mind that if it didn't hit certain targets, what they were going to do next because they switched so quickly. They're not trying to defend themselves and say, oh, we'll keep working at it. They're like, nope, we're going to scrap this. We're going to bin it and go somewhere else uh, with what we want to do. So uh, a long road ahead, I think, for Mercedes, but maybe an, an exciting one in trying to turn it around completely mid-season uh, within the budget cap, uh, within the kind of restrictions that everyone has right now. It, it'll be tough to do, but it'll be fascinating to see if and when they bring out essentially what will be the closest thing to a new car they can during the year. So, uh, yeah, it'll be fun to watch when, when that happens. Uh, but until then, it's going to be pretty tough going, I think. They're probably going to be third or fourth quickest team uh, for quite a while. We saw um, uh, Matteo, uh, Mattia uh, Bonato pay the price at Ferrari, obviously, Chris, not that long ago. Has uh, Toto escaped a lot of the heat around this? I mean, he's a powerful figure, obviously, within the sport, but, I mean, they've, they've lost their sort of absolute grip on the sport relatively quickly. They have, but no, he's uh, in a different position at Mercedes in the sense that he helps set the team up. He's a shareholder within the team. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's only kind of a third owned by uh, Mercedes' parent company. So he kind of owns part of the racing team that exists. And you've got to think of what he did create uh, for a team that came back in in 2010, took a little while to find its feet, and then from 2014 onwards was dominating. Uh, and even even now, it's still a front runner, just you know, a good half a second or so off Red Bull, who have been very impressive. Uh, but they're they're in the right kind of mix that you want to be in to to build on. So I, I don't think he's going to come under too much pressure for too long. I think some of his personnel might, uh, who designed the car, but the culture he's always created there is that everyone kind of, you know, there's no one person to blame. Everyone works together, does have a big pool of engineers and designers that are pretty big names within that team. So I don't think uh, there'll be actually radical overhaul too much within the personnel. It will just be about the car they've designed. Uh, and it'll be really, really interesting to see because it's probably Toto's biggest test is how he deals with this ongoing failure. Oh, last year could have been a one-off if they got it right at the start of the season and, and were fighting for wins straight away. Uh, up to then, it, obviously, everything had been on an upward trajectory. For the fact that they're not anymore, um, you know, it's a totally different challenge for him to turn that around and keep the attitudes right, keep it positive within Mercedes. So um, it will be something interesting to watch the way he deals with it, but I don't think he'll come under too much pressure from, from anyone above him because there's not many really people that can call themselves that um, for him to, to go. It was a tale of what went wrong for Ferrari last year, Chris, in, in, in many uh, races. And look, there were there were mistakes that they made in race strategy, uh, famously a lot of times uh, across the course of the season. And it was the same old tale at the weekend. Although, you know, Charles Leclerc speaking afterwards, he, he felt like they had a car that, that certainly could compete for at least a podium. Yeah, I mean, Leclerc should have finished on the podium, I think, as quick as Alonso was. And it would have been fascinating to see Alonso trying to close him down. Leclerc was a pretty comfortable third when he retired. The big worry there was reliability. It was the big thing that uh, Fred Vasseur, the new team principal, who replaced Mattia Bonotto, the big thing he said he wanted to improve over the winter was reliability. He said, this car, if we could have run it at 100% last year at every race, it would have been far more competitive. But they had to kind of dial it back because they had a lot of reliability 
reliability issues. And in the first race, you get a reliability problem that, that takes your lead car out. That is concerning. And it did annoy Leclerc, I think. Uh, in terms of strategy, I'd say they largely got it right. In the race, their strategy was fine. Uh, but in qualifying, Leclerc actually only did one run in Q3, wasn't on pole, knew he might lose another position, which he did, so he ended up third on the grid, but didn't do a second run to save a set of new tyres, used them at the start of the race, and it got him ahead of Perez and back into second and a bit more competitive. So it was kind of a longer-term view, which was a bit disappointing on Saturday because we thought actually the clerk had a shot at getting on pole, but uh, they were thinking, right, this is our best way of running the race tomorrow, and, and it did pay off in, in that sense until his problem. So there, there was some encouraging signs. The car over one lap is quick, uh, and what was interesting is for Sir said... If it's quick over one lap, it can be quick over a race distance. You know, there's no magic difference between the two. It's just about finding the right balance to extract it. And he's pretty confident that Ferrari can get closer to Red Bull, but it will mean nothing if they can't finish the races. So, yeah, that was the concerning aspect was the reliability. Uh, just one final one for me, Chris. Uh, you're, you're talking about encouraging signs. We certainly want encouraging signs when it comes to competitiveness this year. Can you just briefly explain the aerodynamic research and the time that a team gets in order to, to conduct aerodynamic research? It's proportion to a team's success. So the, the worse a team is, the more time they have for this research, essentially. So is that going to level the playing field and, and maybe give us a, a bit of a tighter race this year? Absolutely. It's one of the best things I think Formula One's done. It's almost like the draft system in American sports that, you know, that the worst team gets the most opportunity to catch up. It doesn't mean you definitely will. You've got to make the most of that opportunity. And the worst teams tend to have the worst facilities so that they've got to work hard at it. But uh, compared to Red Bull, the likes of Mercedes and Ferrari have more time in the wind tunnel, more time to develop their car aerodynamically or, or try and work out how to make it quicker. The big one, again, is Aston Martin. They finished seventh in the championship last year, so they've got way more time compared to Red Bull uh, to work on it. Red Bull also had a penalty for breaching the cost cap last year. That gives them less time on top of their normal penalty for being the winners. So, yeah, there's there's every opportunity for others to close that gap during the season. And something Christian Horner said to me yesterday, or Sunday as it was, losing my days, um, that they had to be conservative a little bit and make sure they had a good, quick car from the start of the season and take no risks with with it because they couldn't afford to get it wrong they didn't have the development time to try and work their way out of any problems so they're, they're kind of limited slightly in that with what they've done with their car whereas all the others can kind of uh, take some more risks to try and make bigger steps and that'll be fascinating to see because it did close the grid up in many ways even just over the winter all 10 teams were covered by just over six tenths of a second in the first part of qualifying you know nobody could take it easy in, in q1 on saturday which is great to see um and all 10 teams think they can score points so the field has closed up but you still always have a, a first and a last and i think the biggest gap of any is first to second at the moment so hopefully uh, a few of those chasing pack can uh, can real red berlin all right we will leave it there chris medlin thanks a million for jumping on Thank you very much for having me, guys. Cheers. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.